The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to NeuroMatters, the Brink of Alzheimer's with Dr. Sam Brinkman. Our program brings together individuals who struggle with Alzheimer's disease or other disorders and noted professionals who can provide answers and timely information related to these disorders. Now, here is your host, Dr. Sam Brinkman. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to NeuroMatters, the Brink of Alzheimer's. I am your host, Dr. Sam Brinkman, and I welcome you to our program on Alzheimer's disease and the dementias. You know, last week we had a, a, a fun show. It's a show that I certainly enjoyed doing. We were joined by J.T. Arbogast and Kimberly Diltz. Um, they are co-producers, and J.T. was the lead actor in the movie Angel's Perch, a movie that has Alzheimer's disease as a central theme, and it was a, a wonderful discussion with them. And we were joined last week by Howard Gretzner, who is nationally recognized for his work in caregiving burden, stress burden, and grief. And um, we're very fortunate to have Howard with us again today because there's so much more that he wanted to say about this movie. And I am always grateful when Howard is speaking because he articulates the issues very well and he is both a very intelligent and perceptive individual and a very caring individual. So Howard, welcome to the program. My pleasure to be with us. Well, Howard, let's begin by just having you tell the story of the movie Angel's Perch. I know many of the listeners this week heard us talk about it last week, but many did not as well. So what's the story here? Well, it's a little different story because in this case, the uh, story is about a young professional man who's uh, got a career going with a, a partner in Pittsburgh to do construction and remodeling of buildings, and they have a, a challenge and a chance to do something like that. And at the same time, apparently a real key figure in his life is was his nana, and uh, she lives in, I think it's Cass, West Virginia, small little uh, mountain town, and he gets the call that she almost got hit by a car which then poses the ongoing conflict of him trying to figure out how to balance his feelings, uh, the priorities of his job, and also what to do to take care of her, which he doesn't fully understand to start with. Later, she um, clearly has some type of dementia like Alzheimer's. And now, the other, the other part of it that really is hinted at is the fact that it appears that he has developed a relationship and they plan to get married. And we also see shots that suggest that they even have a child on the way. And then all of a sudden that part of his life is gone. And we we see the picture of um, a vacant apartment with virtually nothing on the walls and uh, a crack in the ceiling that he sees when he wakes up in the, in the morning, and so we see a lot of emptiness. 
But the continuing conflict that he's faced with was what part to do with his job and then how much of himself to devote to his Nana. And that is one solid theme that runs throughout the entire movie, but then we also see that one of his friends from um, his earlier life is back in town, and yet he hides because he's uncomfortable talking about his loss. We learn later that he told his Nana once, but she forgot that he had lost his wife and child in her pregnancy. Then we're we're watching him do everything he can to hide that. And the importance of that is grief for us to be able to heal and move on needs to be socially validated. And yet that didn't really occur until very, very late in the movie when his Nana, Polly was her name, actually remembered that he had called her. And then she broke down. She acknowledged his loss and its meaning and her apologies for forgetting, but at the same time, she acknowledged what she could accept about the challenge of what was happening to her with dementia. And that scene pulls everything together from all that came before. We see how a small community uh, tries to keep uh, Polly involved, and they want Jack to bring his family, but of course he's hiding that. He doesn't have one. He lost lost his wife and his child. So it it's another way of looking at grief that's not just about the person that you're losing to dementia, but all the other losses that may be happening or you may be challenged to keep from happening. And you are an expert on grief and on caregiver burden, the conflicts that come up in the lives of caregivers. How do you use this movie to teach? One, the fact that Jack tried, you know, there was a point made early in the movie and, of course, our discussion with its writer, J.T. and uh, Kim, is something that Jack said very early in, mo- in the movie is, we are what we do. Mm-hmm. And already that tells me there's a problem because most folks, when they're becoming caregivers for loved ones, they use a task-oriented way of solving problems. But Tell me what so that many, means, Howard. Explain that, that means concept. doing something about the problem, finding something to change, something to fix, uh, even long-term care, rather than being as relational as it might help sometimes. They're focused on ta- tasks that you do to take care of the resident or in the family to take care of the loved one. But tasks don't always relate to the person. They just And, and Jack had that orientation And it was hard, that was his big challenge, was to see that being who he was was certainly as important as doing things and accomplishing things. And that was a a lesson that Jack came came to very slowly, isn't it? Yeah, it was very hard for, yeah, because as many of us, he was taught that what you do is what counts. And of course, he was in a very competitive business. So while tasks have their role in caregiving, if that's all you're doing, you're missing a big opportunity, and certainly tasks don't help us deal with loss and grief. 
Well, you've used this movie a number of times, and uh, you basically uh, show the movie to an audience and then talk with them. Uh, you're very interactive with the audience and help them to sort out what they can learn about grief and conflict and conflict resolution and social validation and these things and you've done that a number of times so you know this movie very well at this point it's coming along pretty well yeah <laughs> um let me ask you this having seen the movie a number of times but then last week having the opportunity to talk to jt arbogast who wrote the story and played the lead role of jack in the movie the the young architect who has the conflict and and with uh, kimberly diltz who was the lead producer they actually co-produced it having had the opportunity to talk with those that really made this idea come into a story and then come into a movie how did that influence your um, assessment of the movie and the lessons that you draw from the movie well first of all part of the power of the movie is that it's a story that was partly uh, cued by um, JT's own life I, I, it's my understanding that his grandmother actually lived in the house that um, the character that plays uh, Polly in the movie lived in, and 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 so we have a personal experience of his grandmother having Alzheimer's or some type of dementia. So he was faced with that in his own personal life, and I was really really impressed by um, the other producers, directors, etc. How many folks in that movie? that had stepped forward, both as actor, actresses, or producers, or directors, etc., how many of them, had, their own lives had been touched by someone close to them that had some type of dementia like Alzheimer's. So we have a real personal investment in it for a story to be told so that we can find um, other meaning, but also see uh, the challenge that so many families are uh, confronted by. So it was very personal, and yet they were very, very, um, they put forth a great deal of effort to try to make the story such that it had meaning, that it engaged people. And, and of course, since you've seen it, you know, too, how many different levels of situations, relationships, and even conflict are, are going on almost simultaneously sometimes. And it was and so, very nicely depicted, wasn't it? Yes, yes, and and I think really pretty realistic. There was a real effort to keep it true to what Alzheimer's or a dementia might look like. And um, since it was in a small-town setting, we could bring out how some folks didn't even get it, <laughs> you know, yeah. being that close to the, to the character uh, that we see develop dementia, his nana, Polly, Mm -hmm. And yet they wanted her to be involved in their big celebration uh, that they had every every year. In fact, she right. was the queen of cast, I think, is, is the yes. terminology. And, and so we see the vulnerabilities uh, of folks just as they are. And then we see this character that JT played trying to make a choice, finally, between how important is probably, at least based on the film, the only really close relative he had left in his life and a job that it was important for him to get. 
uh, a contract to do remodeling of an office building. And um, well, uh, unlike, go ahead. Well, the point I wanted to make there is unlike a lot, you know, there are a lot of spousal caregivers that we are aware of, and and I think their story is becoming better known. But this one's a little different, and it's not yet unusual that there are also children that are certainly caregivers, but even grandchildren. And that's what we see here because that put him in a bigger conflict with the role of job and work in developing career versus going back and supporting and relating to his grandmother, who apparently was a very strong figure in his life. In fact, that's one reason he got the notion, I think, that we are what we do. She really encouraged mm-hmm. him to to excel and to, to get through school and all. He made mention of that in the film. And, and to do wonderful things. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I, I want to recognize a few people. The director is Charles Hayne, and he did a wonderful job with this movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joyce Van Patten played the role of Polly. And, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, you and I agreed that that was an excellent, realistic, Very realistic uh, portrayal. presentation. And then uh, Ellen Crawford, our listeners will remember her from ER. She was uh, a regular on the TV series, series ER, and she did an excellent job as well in this movie. We are going to go to a break, and when we return, we will talk more with Howard about lessons taken from this movie, Angel's Perch. So stay with us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Where did I put my keys? What was I supposed to pick up at the grocery store? Why did I forget that appointment? These and other experiences cause us to wonder whether we or our loved ones are experiencing normal memory changes with age or whether we are developing significant cognitive deficits. The Gray Matters system provides an efficient, economical, accurate approach to monitoring memory and executive functioning in older adults who are at increased risk of developing dementia. Gray Matters may be used in a primary medical care setting, long-term care facilities, retirement communities, and other settings. The system allows for determining whether an individual's memory abilities and executive functioning are in the expected range for age and education, and whether these abilities have changed significantly over time. As a result, older individuals can be given the assurance that they are maintaining good brain health. Gray Matters is a caring, proactive approach to managing the worries of cognitive decline in older persons. Gray Matters. Screen for memory disorders or forget it. By making some important changes in your life, you can move forward from where you are to where you wish to be. It is becoming the change you want to see. It can be a sort of experiment, if you will. On Moving Forward, Wellness One Step at a Time, your host, Dr. Serena Wadwa, will introduce you to ideas that can help improve your health, relationships, and finances. You probably have at least one part of your life that needs improving. Make an appointment now to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Neuromatters, the brink of Alzheimer's. 
To reach Dr. Brinkman or his guest expert today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send questions or comments about the show via email to sdbrinkman at hotmail.com. Now, back to NeuroMatters. Thank you for staying with us. We are talking with Howard Gretzner, who is with the North Central Texas chapter of the Alzheimer's Association and is an expert in grief and in caregiver's burden. And we are talking about the movie Angel's Perch and lessons that uh, Howard has taken from that and the manner in which he's used this movie to teach people uh, about how they cope with the difficulties of becoming a caregiver. In this particular movie, as Howard pointed out, you have a young architect, Jack, played by J.T. Arbogast, and the bind or the conflict that Jack has, uh, from the business standpoint, he has the opportunity to really grow his small architectural firm, and that would provide a great future for him. On the other hand, he has the the responsibility for caring for his grandmother uh, who has Alzheimer's disease or some type of a dementia. And so that's the um, conflict that he finds. And I think that all of you would agree that this is not the characteristic conflict, you know, between a job, a new business on the one hand and caring for a loved one. Uh, but Howard, would you comment on how that conflict for Jack really relates to and has similarities to the kinds of conflicts and role changes that caregivers have? Yeah, at Jack's age, developing his career, um, you know, certainly that's something that's got to be important. And uh, he doesn't have any, his parents are apparently deceased, so Nana is pretty much his whole family. So when we say he has to choose between work and family, it's one key person in his life. So that's a very real conflict, and yet he tried um, to keep from completely getting into that, and finally he had to make a choice, and he did make a choice, and he chose his Nana, and doing the work from uh, the caregiving role in her home. And that's not always a choice that people can make, although many try to make it, Um, especially, I think, spouses and then adult children. But when we get down, the group that we're not as used to seeing is uh, where you've got a grandchild who's much younger and uh, the person with dementia is much older. So that we don't see quite as much of, but the conflict is the same. If you go up to children, the children that I'm working with, they're still, they still have a work life usually. They still have family responsibilities. So caring for or guiding the care of the parent is another set of potential conflicts for them because they have the demands of children. And in a case I saw yesterday, even a grandchild that the uh, daughter's trying to take care of while she's trying to make sure her mother's care is provided appropriately as well. And I don't think a lot of times other people in the lives of these people really fully appreciate the, the emotional drain that those conflicts create in their lives because they have a lot of choices, but all of the choices are difficult to make at the expense of another one. That is to say, 
leaving the caregiving to someone else and doing your job or not doing your job, I mean, the outcomes are not perfectly uh, going to work or, out in or either Or trying case. to please all roles. Or oh, yeah, which really splits you all apart. You're absolutely right. So there's a lot of stuff going on in the lives of these folks, uh, if we generalize from the film, that we don't always know about because they don't tell us about it. And sometimes if they did tell friends and others in, in their attempt to be helpful, friends and others give them the task-oriented suggestion, well, you ought to do this or you ought to do that. But mm-hmm. that fails to appreciate uh, what psychologically or emotionally they're trying to deal with and that they don't often feel comfortable doing at the insistence of others because their true feelings are not really going to come out in that discussion. And I guess in that sense, it sometimes creates more conflict in what might or could still be supportive persons in their life. See what I mean? Yes. Very people who would be trying to help them may actually create some more conflict because they put pressure on them to make choices that the people in the caregiving role are still not comfortable or ready to make. And one of the things that you pointed out, Howard, uh, during the break, actually, is that when a caregiver makes the decision to leave the role of working and earning a living to give more um, uh, more of him or herself to the person with dementia, whether that be a grandson, a son, a spouse, uh, whatever, you know, leaving something, leaving that thing may be a permanent departure from something that they were enjoying. Jack That's, was excited about the uh, architectural firm and yeah, right. Leave, and, leaving and, that contract, you know. Yeah, and in real life, when I see that happen, what we make choices based on the demands of caregiving in the moment. It's hard to plan out that much further. And these folks that are relinquishing important roles that give their life identity and meaning, otherwise, or add to that, giving those up it's not as easy to go back and pick those up again as we would think. Even those that are working in their home, made possible by Internet and computer, even those folks are having a harder time doing that because what becomes the most prominent part of your life is what's on your mind. And if you're concerned about your loved one and don't feel secure that their care is 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 where it needs to be or if it's providing enough security and, and meeting enough needs, then you spend a lot of time concerned. Like um, Jack began to be concerned about, you know, he'd already gotten the call that Nana nearly got hit. And we're talking about numerous trips back to Pittsburgh and then back to take care of her. And he's got a lot of anxiety about what's happening with her. And that's hard to keep off your mind unless you feel like you've got some mastery or control of being there with them. But to do that means you have to let go of other things. Yeah. We see in the in the movie, uh, there's a particular scene in which Nana forgets that she has something on the stove and it's uh, burning, smoking all over, and... Um, she uh, Jack comes in there and gets it off the stove, and Nana says, what's wrong? And he very angrily says, you nearly burned the house down. That's what's wrong. Um, and uh, that sh- sort of 
depicts the type of response that many caregivers will have toward their loved one if they're not able to manage their burden well. Is that the way you would see it? I would, and the fact that, you know, he kept running into points of losing emotional control or nearly losing it uh, Mm -hmm. because he was keeping himself burdened, not only about what he knew going on with his Nana, but also remember, too, he was keeping the secret of his uh, loss of his wife and the child. And every attempt someone in the community made to be supportive and, oh, bring your family with you, then that triggered all of the fact that he was trying to hide and keep things from people because he didn't want to bring it up. Um, But uh, a lot of folks are going through a lot of stuff that they're not able to discuss, and I think that's the key point. He didn't have anybody he could really openly talk to except for... um, Jenny, who was the character, um, I think played by Ashley Jones, who was an old friend from his his growing up. And it turns out that there was something unfinished in their relationship as well, but she was the closest thing to a supportive person, uh, someone unconditional at times and then challenging at others. That's right. And of course, because they had had a relationship going all the way back to childhood, they knew each other very well. And, uh, you know, this concept of validating the grief, uh, there's a lot to talk about there. In Jack's case, obviously, the only person that he had told was his grandmother. And she, because of the dementia, did not remember that Jack's wife and unborn baby had died. And uh, and that hurt Jack deeply that she did not remember. That's an example of, um, um, well, that that becomes relevant to a number of things. One is when someone who has uh, some form of dementia says something very hurtful or because of the memory problem, an important date or an important event is forgotten. People can really be hurt by that, even though that was not the intent of the person that forgot. That's exactly right. There's that component to it. And then the other is if she was the only one that would validate his grief and she did not remember it, then there was no validation. So exactly. um, what what this leads me to in, in sort of a next um, discussion point with you is people that are in a caregiving role often do not want to say what the burden is like to other people, right? That's right. That's right. They don't want to be seen as weak, and sometimes that's actually keeping the secret, where they don't want everybody to know what they're already beginning to understand is going on with their loved one. Remember, there are also a lot of stigmas that come into play in the real world about what do the dementia symptoms mean, even though people may not know they constitute dementia, they sometimes even fall into a characterization of the people being old and senile like days ago but still comes up, or that they're crazy because they act so differently. And and so there's a protective tendency that caregivers have to keep people out to protect their loved ones, but by so doing, they're also bearing some of what they're feeling that they can't process and talk about. And in that sense, people are not able to really know what's happening, what the losses are, or how, what they, they can do to respond. 
Well, uh, I appreciate that clarification, and uh, we're about a minute away from a break here. Um, but what I would like to do when we come back from the break is get some idea from you about how can that greater support system, the church family, the extended family, the community, the neighborhood, how can they attempt to validate this caregiver's burden and grief when the caregiver is not really addressing it with them. So when we come back from the break, Howard, we can talk about that. In the meantime, I also want to recognize the West Virginia chapter of the Alzheimer Association because they were critically important in helping JT and Kim produce this movie and especially to develop the character of Polly. So we will be back after a short break. Please stay with us. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Where did I put my keys? What was I supposed to pick up at the grocery store? Why did I forget that appointment? These and other experiences cause us to wonder whether we or our loved ones are experiencing normal memory changes with age or whether we are developing significant cognitive deficits. The Gray Matters system provides an efficient, economical, accurate approach to monitoring memory and executive functioning in older adults who are at increased risk of developing dementia. Gray Matters may be used in a primary medical care setting, long-term care facilities, retirement communities, and other settings. The system allows for determining whether an individual's memory abilities and executive functioning are in the expected range for age and education, and whether these abilities have changed significantly over time. As a result, older individuals can be given the assurance that they are maintaining good brain health. Gray Matters is a caring, proactive approach to managing the worries of cognitive decline in older persons. Gray Matters. Screen for memory disorders or forget it. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Neuro Matters, the brink of Alzheimer's. To reach Dr. Brinkman or his guest expert today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send questions or comments about the show via email to sdbrinkman at hotmail.com. Now, back to Neuro Matters. We are back, and thank you for going on this little journey with us today as we talk about the movie Angel's Perch once again, and our guest is Howard Gretzner, who has been uh, so helpful to me in understanding what caregivers go through in the whole process of uh, trying to care for and maintain a relationship with someone who is experiencing cognitive failure. I'm very, very grateful to Howard for that, and I want to encourage the audience to uh, to look at this movie, Angel's 
Angel's Perch. It is a, a very powerful movie that um, if you're in a caregiving role or think that you may be in the near future, it can be very helpful to um, to you in coming to understand what that role wow. is going to require. And, um, and it can also... Um, uh, uh, validate for you some of the things that you have been been experiencing or been fearing. And Howard had spoken of validation of someone's grief. Howard, um, sort of the next um, aspect of that discussion is caregiver isolation, right? Right, because if caregivers are isolated and cut off from friends, other social groups, other activities, then what they're feeling is not something they can easily discuss or get any kind of feedback and support from anyone else about. So in a sense, isolation works just like the situation Jack experienced where he suffered a loss of his own family members, even outside of what was happening to his Nana, that he couldn't really reveal and comfortably talk about with anyone else so that his sense of loss was never validated. And I guess if you look at isolation, if you're isolated, you're not able to talk to many folks. You don't even maybe feel comfortable talking about what you're experiencing if your loved one, excuse me, is really close by. So caregivers began to keep a lot of things to themselves, including what I call the elephant of grief, that anticipatory grief at least, that is in the caregiving situation for quite a long while and triggered by the many ongoing, reoccurring, and multiple new losses that they experience, not only of their loved one by nature of losing abilities and functions, but also the things they used to get do together with their loved ones. We're coming up on some holidays now. For some caregivers, that's going to remind them as much about what they've lost as the wonderful engagement they have with family members. So I guess in that sense, it's a neat opportunity if they can feel close and comfortable with some of those family members to talk about what's going on. And it would be appropriate for family members to listen and not start streaming advice because advice tends to take away the impression you're listening when you've been kind of isolated for a while. You know, My parents I mean. used to say you have two eyes and two ears and one mouth. <laughs> uh-huh. So you need to listen and look twice as much as you talk. Hey, there's and- a nice formula. <laughs> <laughs> right. But the isolation that caregivers end up being in, that makes it harder, too, for them to feel supported um, well- by friends. Um, church groups, whatever social group they're involved with, and it becomes harder to go out with their loved ones as the disease progresses, and it then also becomes more uncomfortable for them to have other folks come into the home sometimes. So there's Especially a lot of adjustment. Especially if the home is not that, as well cared for and yeah, things like that. Right, and that then that's another part of the psychological isolation. You know, when we talk about um, dying as it relates to dementias like Alzheimer's, it's really a, a double death that occurs, a psychological death before the physical death. And yet caregivers spend the bulk of their energies and time being confronted by those psychological losses. 
and if you lose the sense of connection and relationship to your loved one, then that even creates a, a, a deeper sense of isolation in their lives, which would then make it more important for them to have other uh, supportive relationships available to them. Um, let me present this situation, Howard. As the character of Jack depicted in the movie, this caregiver isolation, you know, this is really the rule rather than the exception. You know, it is a, a real widespread problem among caregivers. Um, and um, I am often asked, and I'm sure you are too, what can others do? So what advice can you give to someone who sees a caregiver burdened or who more than likely doesn't see the caregiver anymore because they're so burdened they're not in the social circles anymore. So um, the caregiver does not announce the needs, does not present the needs to others, uh, but simply continues to provide the care as well as he or she can. Right. How can others then reduce that caregiver isolation, validate even though the person is not openly talking about it, validate that person's um, level of stress and sense of loss and apprehension about the future. Okay. I think it's important that they continue to have contact. Um, in a lot of social groups, churches, and others, we sort of sit around and wait for the person to call us if they need help. But that's not likely to occur with caregivers because they're busy and focused on so many other things. So to visit and to be as unconditional as possible in that interaction because caregivers are sensitive. They don't want to feel like your visit has been precipitated by worries and concerns about you because they don't want to see themselves in that light. But they need to be accepted as people who are suffering, doing the best they can, but still in need uh, of other people to connect them with the rest of the life around them. So other friends and family, church, etc., need to go in unconditionally to visit, not to put a lot of demands on the caregiver, and whatever they offer in being with them, it not being something that confronts the person with dementia about their problems. They have to take that a lot more slowly to get used to being with that person. You know, I have um, often in situations where I have a patient diagnosed with dementia and I'm meeting with the uh, the caregiver, commonly that would be a spouse, mm -hmm. uh, the caregiver may be hesitant to announce the needs. It would sure help if somebody would, you know, just clean the house so that I could be relieved from that burden, or it would help if somebody would just take my wife to the beauty shop once a week or something so that caregiver um, when he or she thinks about it has ideas of what could make a difference but um, doesn't know who to call and may not be in enough contact uh, with people to even ask and may not be able to pri prioritize when there are so many demands going on mm -hmm. it's hard to even remember that there is a break something that I've suggested at times is uh, basically this that if you have one good friend one person that you can talk to bring that one inside the the um, uh, inside the confidence you know bring bring them into your life 
and ask them to fill the role of finding out from you what you need and finding the people out there that will do it. My experience is that in social groups, in in churches, in different social structures, people are very willing to help, but they don't know what to do. Yeah, and they need that specific thing pointed out to help them. Otherwise, it's so ambiguous, they they pull back Mm -hmm. uh, because they don't want to intrude. But those are great ideas because, it you know, not everybody needs to help the caregiver be a caregiver, but there are a lot of other um, chores, tasks, activities that need to be done. And one of the greatest things that caregivers could experience, if they could know that someone that they trust and that understands and is probably already a friend of the, their spouse or parent, whoever's affected, then that person actually could take the person someone, go for ice cream, go for a drive, something that gives them a chance to have some time to themselves without being so conscious of that presence of the other person all the time. Yes, I've seen so many times where a caregiver is just, and this is the doing aspect rather than the being aspect. Mm-hmm. There's no energy left. There's for no the chance being to be aspect. because you're so busy doing. Mm-hmm. And the the person looks at all the things that need to be done, and even when they're not with their um, loved one that has dementia, even when they're not in their physical presence, mentally they're with them worrying about what they should be doing. And um, a, a little break goes a long way with something like that. Yeah, you're so right. In fact, if you think about churches or funerals, how many times have we been to funerals and we learn from somebody that what you say at the end of the funeral is, I'm not going to come visit you, but rather call me if you need something. Exactly. So yes. we put all the burden on the people who are already involved in suffering. And we and need to be more up front, yeah, in offering them, so can I come by and visit? You know, we don't need specific things to do to invite or, or offer our, our visit to someone. And then we can How find would- that out. I would like to turn our attention just for a minute uh, to the physician um, in this movie. You know, you and I have talked many times about this. The primary care physician is in a pivotal role for um, so many aspects of dementia care, especially the initial recognition and diagnostic workup and then directing to services and hopefully directing to the uh, Alzheimer's Association. So um, tell me what your thoughts were about the, the role that the physician played in evaluating Polly, the person with dementia, and in uh, giving guidance to Jack? Well, you know, basically what we saw of the assessment of the uh, evaluation was a clock drawing that suggested to me she was even further along than she was. But uh, nevertheless, he was actually probably more involved in some of the acting on decisions or putting forth the decisions that Jack had to make than what we might sometimes sense in uh, other medical systems. And he was also more willing to look for options, you know, for Jack. But if you'll notice, there wasn't really much discussion of any other alternatives. He was rather pretty much saying, well, you know, we need to to place her, and he was going to place her in what, some other uh, part. Some other city. Yeah, in South Carolina or something like that. But that would have been much further away, and Jack could not have the contact. So Jack kind of uh, axed that. 
So he was actually a lot more um, engaged in taking charge of finding facilities, and later he had actually found one. Uh, and the papers were being signed for admission and all of that. And, of course, uh, the uh, final outcome was is that Jack chose to get more involved himself, and she wasn't taken to a nursing home. She was taken to get a, some ice cream. <laughs> and so, so many times that uh, that being on the point of nursing home admission um, really reprioritizes things, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And, you know, Jack made a choice. And yet the other problem that a small town like that's not going to reveal to us is that there are at least these other services and other larger, more urban areas like respite care, Um you know, they they had the lady that was doing the care, taking care of her in the home, uh, but there's also respite care, which gives the caregiver breaks, or even adult day programs. The smaller community, I guess, in, in its own way, it was kind of being watchful of her, but that was not a set of choices Jack had presented to him because they didn't really exist that much. That's right. Well, we are going to go to a break, and when we come into our final segment, let's talk about the holidays. So please stay with us, and we will talk with Howard Gretzner about caregiving and caregiving stress through the holiday season. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Did I put my keys? What was I supposed to pick up at the grocery store? Why did I forget that appointment? These and other experiences cause us to wonder whether we or our loved ones are experiencing normal memory changes with age or whether we are developing significant cognitive deficits. The Gray Matter System provides an efficient, economical, accurate approach to monitoring memory and executive functioning in older adults who are at increased risk of developing dementia. Gray matters may be used in a primary medical care setting, long-term care facilities, retirement communities, and other settings. The system allows for determining whether an individual's memory abilities and executive functioning are in the expected range for age and education, and whether these abilities have changed significantly over time. As a result, older individuals can be given the assurance that they are maintaining good brain health. Gray Matters is a caring, proactive approach to managing the worries of cognitive decline in older persons. Gray Matters. Screen for memory disorders or forget it. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Neuromatters, the brink of Alzheimer's. To reach Dr. Brinkman or his guest expert today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. 
You may also send questions or comments about the show via email to sdbrinkman at hotmail.com. Now, back to Neuro Matters. I welcome you back to the program. I am your host, Dr. Sam Brinkman, and we are talking with Howard Gretzner. Um, Howard, let's turn our attention now to the stress of the holidays in the context of caring for someone with dementia. Okay. Well, and let me let me say that if we think back to the movie, we actually got kind of a picture of that because Polly began to show a lot of resistance to the idea of being queen because that put her in a large social group of people which created put, put a lot of demands on her ability to remember and to do things. And crowds are noisy and they're active. So if if what, there's one thing that I would say, it's that we've got to uh, evaluate just how many people are going to be present, how much activity is going to be there, how many of the people at um, holiday activity are going to be people that the person with dementia still remembers or recognizes. Because the more new folks they haven't seen in a long time may end up being strangers that without even doing anything, are kind of intimidating because they don't know who they are. So we've got to look at what people are present, how many are new, um, how many are, are, sometimes kids work great, sometimes that uh, creates frustration for the person with dementia. So, and so uh, a caregiver would have to go into that understanding that what's planned for that particular gathering may or may not Mm-hmm. actually uh, take place, and they have to have a backup plan available. That's that's right. And the other thing that we often see happen is folks with dementia begin to really become fatigued pretty easily. And social situations sometimes trigger that because it takes a lot of energy to engage and to try to keep up with what's going on. So very frequently I hear families talk and, and understanding that it's okay if they want to go lay down or something like that, if you try to keep them engaged, that may lead to problems because the reason they want to go lay down is it's their way of recouping their energy and their security, and they're really probably pretty tired. So families need to start looking at things like that from the perspective of how could that be in the interest of the person with dementia to help them take care of themselves. And in fact, I would suggest that they plan on having some way for the person to get away from everybody and and go lie down and take a little nap. You know, plan on that in advance because it is going to be more fatiguing. That's true. And if there's travel involved, then you may have a greater need for for rest and breaks also. But it's got to be seen as okay for the person with dementia when they're trying to move away and withdraw from a situation that's becoming um, overwhelming uh, or creating difficulties for them. They need to be able to pull away from that or they're going to start showing even more resistance uh, to whatever else might be going on in that social uh, group setting. 
it presents a lot of confusion, and the confusion often leads to anxiety and fearfulness. On the topic of travel, by the way, one of the things that I would like to mention is if a person is traveling um, out of the city, in other words, there's going to be a little bit of a road trip involved there. You know, there's always concern about the what the person with the cognitive disorder and the person that's the caregiver getting separated. And um, it's a lot of people will say, no, I will just keep my eye on him or her. But <laughs> if it's a married couple, for example, yeah. um, the guy, let's say the guy is the caregiver, at some point he's going to have to go to the restroom. And That's that true. puts her out of his sight. And so I have always really strongly recommended of course, bring somebody else along if that's that possible. That would be the best choice, yeah. Yes, but if not, at least make sure that they have a, a wandering bracelet or something like that that they can obtain from yeah, the Alzheimer's Association. Yeah, something that identifies them. Maybe a cell phone, but sometimes that doesn't work like we would hope it would. And if they're flying, um, then certainly to let the airline know, because generally airlines are, are trying to do what they can to help caregivers keep an eye on people with dementia and get them on the plane early and stuff like that. Right. But airports are tremendously confusing places that to someone. That is a scary that... place. You're right. Because if you it... say, okay, sit there, I'll be right back. Gosh, you don't, you you could come back to, to almost anything in that because you, you saw... assume they're going to stay there. Right. But if they're already in a little heightened sense of stress because they're a new new situation with a lot of stuff going on, that may in increase their anxiety. And if their anxiety increases, then they may start searching for the person who went and said, I would be back in a little while. Right. So that's um, good advice regarding traveling. Um, now, one of the common problems around the, the holiday season, and I love the holiday season, I look forward to it every year, but um, many people, and probably most people, try to pack too, mu too many experiences uh, into too okay. short a period of time. Right. That's absolutely right, and what that does is it overwhelms the person with dementia, they're not able to process and experience and be present from one to the next. And then they'll start getting more fatigued, more anxious, even more, more agitated because it's too much for them. But sometimes their behavior is telling us more than their words will. So we've got to pay attention to uh, nonverbal behavior. That's a, a very good point because um, behavior may look like the person is annoyed, irritated, mm -hmm. frustrated, afraid, uh, detached, whatever it may be. But rather than reacting to that behavior, the caregiver has to learn to read that behavior, That's interpret right. it, and understand what's going on so that uh, any, any uh, changes that would be helpful can be made at that point. Yeah, and, and, and if there's any sort of way to practice to see what that's going to look like in a new situation, the caregiver can take the person out to eat in a restaurant or, or go to a new place, and, and without being away that far from home, they can begin to get a picture of what those situations are going to be like for their loved ones. Well, Howard, uh, I have to tell you, as in the past, you have such wisdom, you know, you have such experience and an excellent way of articulating for 
uh, caregivers what the demands will be, what some potential solutions are, how to anticipate things. And as you've said many times, nobody has gone through training to become a caregiver. No. It simply presents itself when it presents itself, and you go from there. So I uh, uh, am so grateful to you, and I'm, and I'm again grateful to JT Arbogast and uh, Kim Diltz, the co-producers, and um, uh, JT being the writer and the actor that played the lead character as well. So grateful for what they have given. I'm very grateful to you for participating in the discussion with them last week and for following up with discussion today. So, Howard, thank you. I am very grateful to you. I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Okay, and to you too, Dr. Brinkman. All right, I will talk to you soon, Howard, and to my listeners, I wish all of you a wonderful Thanksgiving Day, and we will be back next week, so please join us. Thank you for listening to Neuro Matters, the brink of Alzheimer's. Please join Dr. Sam Brinkman again next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management.